I think. Cool. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's working. Excuse me. We should pick um, one. Okay, cool. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do this. Um, <clears throat> um, hey, Olivia. Hey, Ashley. <laughs> Welcome to Drunk at the Book Club. A podcast for lonely drunk bookcasters. Hello. Hey. So, this week we read The Girl on the Train by Paula Hawkins. You want to give a little synapse? Yeah. Um, so, it's a book about um, this woman who is a commuter, and she kind of makes up these lives of uh, people that live in these homes that she passes every day, mm-hmm. morning and night. Um, and it starts with her kind of just getting lost in that fake world that she's created. Right. Um, and then she ends up getting very involved in their personal lives. Yeah. Um, and you find that she does have these strange connections to these people, really. Yeah. Um, and then it gets really dark. Yes. There's a missing woman. Right. There's a missing woman that is from the house that she's made these stories about. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of the story of figuring out what happened. Exactly. So what did you think? I liked it. Mm-hmm. It was intense. Yeah. Um, there's definitely times where I needed to put it down. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, like, some of the feelings or some of the actions were just, like, really real. Yeah. Um, but it also was, like, you know, a book where I was sitting, I could sit down and read, like, 100 pages. Right. Uh, because I wanted, like, there was, there, uh... Paul Hawkins was really good at uh, creating that suspense to keep me totally. going and wanting to know what happened. Yes. Um, I liked it. Yeah. What do you think? I really, like, I love thrillers. Like, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. Like, I read all of those, um, who's the author who wrote Gone Girl? Oh, um. Jillian. Jillian. So I was gonna say Jillian Welch. That's not it. <laughs> I know. I literally almost said that. Uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, no offense to her, but point is, like, I read Gone Girl, and on my Kindle, like, I bought like through Amazon the trio of her like three novels, and I, they're all very suspenseful. Yeah. And I read them all really, really quickly. Yeah. So, like, when it comes to thrillers and suspense and like mysteries, they are like my book equivalent of, like, Flamin' Hots. Like, <laughs> like, can't stop eating them. <laughs> really good comparison. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll just, like, go and go and go and go and go. Like, I can't break away. <laughs> yeah. That's really funny. So, I, I enjoyed think that. I've read enough thrillers. Like, this was really... I liked it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that comparison, though. <laughs> um, no, I thought about actually reading Gone Girl, um, so I should go pick that up. You should totally. I mean, there's, like, problematic shit in thrillers in general. Because, yeah. like, a lot of times, like, the plot revolves around, like, some kind of violence against a woman. Like, right, That right. just seems to be, like, where it always goes. Right. Um, but, yeah. Like, I like reading thrillers because I'm always really impressed with how the authors use the cliffhanger as such, like, an amazing tool. Yeah. To move the reader along. And it's like, it's obviously, it's it's a structure that works really well. Right. Well, that's actually something I was thinking of while reading this. 
I never was really identifying the cliffhanger, but all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I need to keep going. Yeah. Um, but, like, there weren't concrete, like, here's the end of this. Mm-hmm. Want more. Right. It's just, like, very smooth transitions and, oh my gosh. Yeah, and I felt like, I felt like Hawkins really used the different voices well, like the different sections for the yeah. different characters. I feel like she used them well. I guess I focused less on like using it as a tool to examine characterization and more like using it as a tool to keep me reading. Right. Because I want to know like, okay, I've either switched time period or I've switched perspective and I need to know like what the other characters viewpoint was of that perspective or of that time period totally and it like i got i think really into it and i kept going back and said okay wait what was the date of this one yes like what happened here yes yes (laughs) i'm like going back and forth and trying to compare i did the same thing Um, i feel like that maybe for me at the beginning was a little bit of a con like pros versus cons not like i've been conned but um, (laughs) i got you because at first, I was, like, way too caught up in the timeline and trying to, like, establish the timeline. And that, I feel like that sort of took me out of the story a little bit. Interesting. Um, but then eventually, I kind of just went with the flow. And I realized, like, exact dates were not as important for me to know. Right. And just recognizing, like, okay, now I'm in the spot where I'm back in that story. Okay, now I'm in this area where it's right. it's gone back in time, you know? Totally. So it's funny. I feel like it was the opposite for me where I started out, like, not really paying attention to them. Uh And then there was, I think, for the most part, it moves forward, right? Yeah. But then there's, like, a couple times where it goes back in time. Mm -hmm. And the first time that happened, I was really confused. And that's why I was like, okay, wait, I need to go back and, like, pay attention to these things. Right. Well, because all the Megan parts were like a a year to six months to a year previous yeah back in time and so when that first switch happened i was very confused (laughs) yeah totally Um, and and then i was trying i guess what i was also trying to do was i was trying to establish like okay what is rachel doing on the date that megan is talking about this until i realized that that wasn't really the important part yeah i had the same feelings too i was like wait but like how is this happening Mm-hmm. to know these details but yeah no once I let myself kind of forget about that yeah I really liked it now I just want to read thrillers all the time but maybe we should read well maybe after this non-fiction we should get yeah. back to another thriller exactly I think it's good good break yeah I, I can read other ones in the meantime yeah that's true yeah you should need you should need a cap you should need why am I saying that you need apparently my gin is kicking in, <laughs> kicking in. my 12.44pm gin um <laughs> You should read Gone Girl. Yeah. Um, we could do an episode on it, or we could just talk one-on-one on about right. it. Because <laughs> I've actually read it twice. Really? Yeah. Amazing. Because I, okay. I had this time, like, I was between books, and I didn't know what to read, and I was, like, desperate, and it was on my Kindle, and I was just like, oh, I'll fucking read Gone Girl again. And then, like, I couldn't <laughs> stop reading Gone Girl again. <laughs> Nice, nice. You're like that's like yeah. hashtag English major problems where you're like I have to read something. What am I gonna read? What am I gonna read? <laughs> yep, that's why I tend to always have a stack of Harry Potter's next to my bed. Oh yeah, you're rereading, right? Yeah. yeah. What are you on now? Uh, I'm on the first one right now. I'm just very slowly yeah. reading it. 
but I love it. I haven't gone back and got, got my uh, copies from my parents' house, but I think I'm going to do that soon. Nice, nice. <sighs> yeah, my new thing is that I want to read and then watch. Ooh, I like that. Like read, watch, or read the read the movie and watch the book. Uh, read <laughs> the book and then watch the movie. You're not drunk, but you sound like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to catch up. Have you heard? I found this um, podcast called. Let me find what it's called. I'm sorry. I know this is a tangent, but fuck it. Um, it's called Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Have you heard of it? No. Oh my god. It's like the whole premise of the podcast is you know how like when you read like the Bible or the Quran or like, you know, Buddhist texts and you read them as like a text, a sacred text for meaning, like yeah. and you really like get into the, the you unpackage everything and you get into it deep. Yeah. This podcast, I haven't listened to it yet, but I subscribe to it so I want to. They, like, unpackage Harry Potter book by book as if it was a sacred text. Oh, my God. That's genius. I know. It sounds, like, right up your alley. <laughs> yeah. I need to start listening to this. You should check do it out. Do they do it, like, book by book? Do I believe know? so. Yeah. So, let me look. Right now on the feed, the m- most recent one is Through the Trap Door, book one, chapter 16. And you're on book one, so you should yeah, totally... That's yeah. That's I'm like, oh, shoot. I should... It was updated today, actually. Let me see. Oh, wow. Yeah, it starts with, yep, yeah, we're still in book one. So apparently this podcast is going to, it's fucking going to go for like years. Nice. (laughs) Because it's chapter by chapter and apparently, okay, so like it says, in the premiere episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, Casper and Vanessa talk about why they are starting this, oh wait, that's not interesting. Um, (laughs) Number two. Vanessa and Casper explore the theme of loneliness in Chapter 2. They discuss the Dursley's parenting choices, the significance of numbers, and the birthday blues. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Now I want to restart the book. (laughs) Read a chapter and listen. Oh, my gosh. Going a little under the weather today? Like, my day is planned out now. (laughs) We should connect with these people and become best friends with them. Yes, please. <laughs> lay in bed, drink tea, read Harry Potter, and listen. And read it as a sacred deck. Yes. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and then maybe watch the movie tonight. Oh, that sounds like a perfect Saturday. Doesn't it? Yeah. Your perfect day is like on the horizon. You can do it, Olivia. Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> Here I come, Saturday. Here I come. Oof. Okay, long tangent. Anyways. Long side tangent. Um, <laughs> back to the girl on the train. Back, yeah, and it's going to be a movie, right? Or it is a movie? Yeah, no, it's going to be. And I think Emily Blunt is playing Rachel. Oh, interesting. And I, like, I haven't seen that many movies with her in it, but, like, I was, I saw the, what is it, five-year engagement with her and Jason <laughs> Siegel, like, my yeah. love. And I, like, love her forevermore. Also, do you know who she's married to? Who? You don't know who she's married to. No? She is married to John Krakashmakabada, whatever his last name is, from The Office. Oh, what? She's married to Jim. Whoa. Wait. I think I did know that. Yes. Whoa. And they're, like, the cutest. And I'm. <laughs> Yeah, whatever his last name is. Yeah. What's his last name? I think it's like Kaczynski or something. <laughs> no, it's Krakashmak. <laughs> 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 I think I almost just 
should go see it. We should. Oh, yes. And we should, like, bring our books and, like, hold them. <laughs> Super nerdy. We should, like, just sit there with it. <laughs> Wait, no, we should, like, we should get puppy paint and make sure. <laughs> The girl on the train, and then we could say, like, drunk of the book club on it. (laughs) And we should get really drunk. (laughs) I was about to say, we could sneak in something to drink. Oh, my God. We should find those. Okay, it's it's fitting. Finally. Oh, my God. Finally, the drink matches the book. I'm drinking a gin and tonic. Yes. Oh, my God. Finally. Our goal this whole time, you finally succeeded. Yes. But not in a can. Like, um, it sounds like the UK is amazing. I know. They have G&Ts in a can. I was like, what is this? I need it for my train rides. I wonder if you can get that at cost plus. You know how they have all that European shit? Mm. Maybe. Maybe I'll go to cost plus today just to find a G and a T in a can. Yes. (laughs) You really should. Because they have those amazing champagnes in a can. Those are so fantastic. Wait, what? It's like a little, like, sparkling wine in a can. I've had regular wine in a can. No, no, no. You have to have have sparkling. Oh, my gosh. I am missing out. You have to go to Cost Plus. Okay. Done. Emeryville. Did you know that their headquarters is, like, right down the street from you? Really? It's in Emeryville. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. That's cool. There you go. I'm so famous. I had, like, a side dream for a while to, like, work for Cost Plus Corporate. I don't know why. (laughs) Amazing. I was like, you know, if I'm going to work for, like, a big company, it's going to be Cost Plus. And they're in Emeryville. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the dreams. Big dreams. Big dreams. Okay, after we are done recording, I have to tell you a story about how I, I learned a way to sneak booze in places. Wait, why does it have to be after we're done recording? Because I don't want to tell you who I learned it from. <laughs> Can you tell me the method, though? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you take a water bottle. Okay. And you put booze in it, and then you take a Pringles container, and okay. you put the water bottle in the Pringles container, and then you put Pringles on top of it. Wait, like, where are you sneaking into with this method? Ace Games. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it's like super strict now because oh. they have like the metal detectors and they like check your bags. Oh, what? When did that happen? I don't know, like a year or two ago. I mean, I know that they check bags always, but usually it's like a cursory glance. Yeah, no, now they like it's intense. Huh. But okay. we could use that method for Gone Girl. Good to I mean, For uh, Girl on the Train. <laughs> or Gone Girl. We'll just see <laughs> yeah. that again. Travel in time. <laughs> Get a time turner. <laughs> well, um, do you remember when we went to that one ace game and me and Michael ran into our old neighbor there who works there? Yeah. Terry. That's right. Maybe he would just let us take booze in. That'd be nice. <laughs> That'd be good. If he was a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good method, but like Pringles, then you do have to eat the rest of the Pringles. Uh, probably. <laughs> you could find someone that would eat the Pringles. I guess so. I don't know why I'm, like, against Pringles. <laughs> I am not against Pringles. I mean, I never really eat them, but I'm not against them either. I feel like I'm against them, like, solidly against them. <laughs> like, legit against. Well, because, like, in the early 2000s, it was, like, 
these are the greatest chips ever, like, because they're in a can, which is, like, not, like, good marketing. It's not. It's just not good. Right. That's true. Like, why did we fall for that? Because we were young. As a society. (laughs) We were young as a society. (laughs) Adolescent USA. (laughs) Falling for Pringles. Also, for some reason, like, in my mind, synonymously are Pringles and Space Jam. I don't know. I don't know why. (laughs) Interesting. Like, I must have, like, watched Space Jam while eating Pringles or something. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Very, very interesting. (laughs) Real talk. For me, Pringles just go with the duck mouth. Oh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) I wish I could have a video of you doing that. That, I need to make a GIF of you doing that. Okay, cool. Next time. Also, by the way, I fully converted to GIF. Like, I used to say GIF. Oh, why do you say GIF now? I don't know. It just, like, once I heard that that's the fish. It is? Apparently. I know. I was sad. Yeah, I know. GIF sounds better, like, in my history, but now I've, like, converted. That's really rough. It's a GIF. I don't know if I can... I don't know if I'm ready for this. I know. It's a slow process. Like, it took me a while to accept it. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you finally converted. I will work on it, maybe. No promises. Oof. Okay, I'm sorry. I've gotten this off track. This is the first time that I've been tipsy during Drunk of the Book in a while. So. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, 1 (laughs) p.m. On a Saturday, though, it's all good. Going up on a Saturday. <laughs> all right, back to the girl on the train. Right. Oof. Oh. What? My friend Jenna just sent me a text of my parents. Oh. My parents. I think she just ran into them. Is she hanging with them? Probably. Does that make you jealous? Aww. Yeah. Does it make you angry? It makes me so mad. <laughs> Jenna, why are you hanging with my parents? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna go home for a week in October. Nice, you're finally taking a vacation. Finally. Holy moly. Yep. <gasps> Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. I'm so excited I hiccup. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay, okay, back to the book. <laughs> back to the book. <laughs> we are just on a roll today. Um, we are. Was there anything you didn't like about it? Um, um, um I don't know if. Not really. Like, I'm going to list the things I did like. Okay. Number one, I liked the slow reveal on the way that you, like, found out how Rachel was connected to these people. Yeah. I loved it, actually. I thought that was really cool. Right. There's many slow reveals, too. Yes. Yes. Like, I love the slow reveal of, uh, oh my gosh, what was his name? Tom. Tom, yeah. Oh my gosh. The moment where he gave her the check, Mm -hmm. there was like something that happened right after that. And I was like, oh, he like knows that she will find out it was him. Oh, yeah. Like I, I had no idea that it was him yet, but like there was one moment or I think she was like, oh, he's jealous of Scott. And I was like, oh shoot. No. Yes. It's him. And he's trying to like buy her off. Oh my God. Yeah. 
I was like, yeah, I was really into the slow reveal because you have the slow reveal on how Rachel is connected to these people. Like, yeah. it's like 40 pages in where you realize, like, oh, she lives fucking four houses down from this couple that she's idealizing. Right, right. And then the slow reveal on her relationship with Tom. And for me, it was when, you know, when she mentioned, like, Tom gave me a book about how when people black out drunk, they do shit like they don't remember. And I was like, yeah. that... Like, it set off alarm bells in my head, and I was like, why would he be... Like, at first it seems like he's like, I'm so wounded by the way you act when you're drunk. But then I was like, wait, no. This is manipulative as fuck. Totally. So, that was crazy. Oh, my God, yeah. There was a genuine point in the middle of the book where, like, I was thinking that this could... Like, the murder of Megan... Spoiler alert. The murder of Megan... Well, we didn't know it was a murder at that point, but you figure... Um, could have been perpetrated by either Rachel, Tom, or, um, Anna. Like, or, or, uh, not Jason, what's his real name? (laughs) Oh, Scott. Scott, yeah. Yeah. Like, I thought it was very valid at a certain point in the middle. I was like, any of these people could have done it. Totally. Well, and when, when you first, um, hear that he picks up, who you think is Anna mm-hmm. at first mm-hmm. from underneath that pass? I was like, oh my god, they did it together. That's what I thought too. Yep. Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like a joint thing. Yeah, because there's also a weird and like something that I liked about the book is I felt like I got lost in uh, Rachel's thought processes, oh. and you know how like she had things that would get confused like with reality and like what was in her mind, and yes. there's she sees the blue dress yeah. on the side. And then she imagines that she's with, like that. So, was it Rachel that she thinks is wearing it? Wait, so Rachel sees Anna in the dress. Sorry, yes. Rachel sees yeah. the blue dress on the side of the train track. Oh, yes. She sees the blue dress. And then she sees the woman with the blue trench coat, too. Right. And then she thinks she sees Anna in the blue dress. Yes. But in reality, she sees Megan in jeans and a red shirt. Right. But, like, she's superimposed that. Right. So during that moment, I liked that, like, it was easy for me to get stuck in her world because I was like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. maybe it was actually um, Megan that she saw in the blue dress, and then they, like, ditched the dress yeah. on the side of the train tracks and, like, all this stuff. Um, yes. But I don't know. And it's like, I, yeah, it's great. for me, it was really, I really enjoyed the way that you got into Rachel's head because... Like, I don't know about you, but, like, I've had nights, I've had moments where, like, I definitely had too much to drink the next night, or the the night before, and the next morning, (laughs) yeah, the next morning, you're like, oh, fuck, I need to get everything straight. Right, right. And so, it was like, I feel like Paula Hawkins made you complicit in her, in her blackouts. Like, made you feel like, oh, fuck, like, what did I do? Like, I'm reading this and I'm thinking to myself, oh, fuck, what did I do? You know, like, it was really, it was really, she did a really good job of, like, pulling you into Rachel's mind. And, like, I spent most of my time reading this feeling like I felt Rachel's guilt. Like, I felt the achiness. I felt the, like, shame. It was, like, really intense. I completely agree. At one point I was reading this at 389 Mm -hmm. and, like, having... Um, a greyhound, and I was like, I can't do this. Like, <laughs> I need to stop drinking and go home yeah. because, like, I feel so guilty right now, and like I'm blacking out when, like, mind you, halfway through a greyhound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, like 
I feel like the stress that she's having of being like always having all these blackout experiences. Yes. And side note, like, <clears throat> uh, Tom reminds me a lot of Jack. Ooh, yeah. Like, in the way that they're manipulative yeah. and, like, can get you to think that you did something wrong that or that, like, intense. you did something that wasn't yeah. the reality. And so, like, I was so stressed out reading this book. Right. <laughs> like, like, as you were saying, too, like, it's like, what did I do? Like, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. I've been so anxious this whole time. Well, yeah. And this book, like, initially, you're like, okay, this is a book about, like, a character who's dealing with her alcoholism. And then you're like, no, this is a book about, like, some extreme emotional and physical abuse. Right. Like, perpetrated by these, well, in particular, one, narcissistic, like, sociopath. But also, like, Scott. That was weird. Yeah, he wasn't, I would not say that he was, like, a victim or completely immune. And also, I think that the women were behaving badly in many ways as well. Like Totally. I don't necessarily think that anybody in this story was, like, a friggin', like, angel. And I appreciate that when I read my books because I get kind of tired of sanctimonious bullshit if you read, like, a book where, like, somebody's perfect. It's not real. Right. So they were, like, deeply flawed characters, all of them. They were. Totally. Oh, my gosh. Also, speaking of the deeply flawed, like, when she finally confesses to... What's her therapist's name? Oh, yes. Um, Abdik? Kamal. 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 Abdir? I can't remember his last name. Anyways. Yeah. When she finally tells him about the baby. Yeah. That was a good actually use of suspense because in one of the Megan sections, she starts talking about it and then, like, breaks down and Mm -hmm. then it switches to Rachel or Anna. I forget. Yeah. And then it goes back to make Inception where she finishes it yes. after we know that she was killed. Right. And so then I was thinking, oh, my God, did he tell her? He told her to go seek out the father. Oh, right. So yeah. was it the father? And, like, now is that why he's being all weird? Because he's the one that told her right. to interact with this man? Yeah. Turns out he was dead, but, like, yeah. Um, this book was, like, I feel like what it highlighted for me was... And I feel like one of the big themes was kind of the limiting expectations of, like, the career woman who becomes a wife who still has to sort of grapple with the idea of, like, being a mother. And so, like, for Megan, that transpires in that she, like, has this dream to have this art gallery. It doesn't work out. She ends up being, like, a stay-at-home wife who doesn't want to have a kid who is, like... She has a lot of issues that she has to work through on her own. And yeah. one of the most, like, damaging things that Tom says, but is also one of the most real things, is when he talks about how Megan and Rachel are so similar. Yeah. And they were so similar. They were. They were really similar. But actually, I felt like all of the women were similar. I feel like and Anna was a different breed to me. She was, but there was a point where... I guess similar in that eventually Tom is going to wear down all of the women. Yeah. She starts drinking. Yeah, that's She starts true. getting, like, trying to hide that she's drinking. Right. She starts snooping. She hates that she's snooping. But, that's like, true. when you have someone in your life that's that manipulative and, like, terrible, yeah. it's eventually going to affect everyone that crosses his path. Right. And it's interesting because, like, Anna, like, when you read this part in Gone Girl, you like, 
there's like this monologue about like the cool girl, the cool girl who like eats all the food she wants and still stays skinny and like yeah. loves hanging with the dudes and doesn't really like girls and like loves giving blowjobs and is like I don't I don't care about anything. So like right. I feel like Anna was like fitting her goal was to be like the cool girl. Right. When in reality, like she's just as real and like multifaceted as any person. Like, right. But for her, it was like recognizing that she had wants and desires, like outside of just like being the hot mistress, you know? Right. And totally. so, like, I agree that point at which she's like, I'm being just like Rachel. Oh, I see how it happens was right. a really big turning point for her character. Definitely. And while you could see that turning point, I also didn't believe it yet until mm-hmm. the very end of the book. Well, yeah. There was still parts during the whole section where um, he essentially holds uh, Rachel hostage, where right. Tom essentially holds Rachel hostage, where I don't know if Anna's on Rachel's side or Tom's side. Okay, so that's why I feel like she's fundamentally different, though, from Rachel and Megan, because... There, I also agree with you. There were times where I was like, oh, is this going to be like a Bonnie and Clyde situation where she like, I mean, she doesn't, she's like, I thought he had already done it. Like she was basically like, I thought he already killed her. And like, that wasn't her concern. Her concern was not Rachel in any capacity. Her concern was for her own well-being and for like her daughter. Yeah. And so that was really interesting how that played out for her as a character. Like the only thing that made her... The only thing that in the end made her act against Tom was concern that he would change his mind and act out against her. It was self-preservation. Totally. Right. And, oh my gosh, it was just so interesting because I was so torn between, like, what was happening the whole time I was reading it. Mm -hmm. And even at the end, like, they end up supporting each other's stories. Right. Which is, like, their last, like, all right, we did it. Yeah. We're good. And, like, they're both pretty much content with that being the end of their relationship, it seems. Right. Um, Which, like, I was trying to imagine myself in that situation, which, fingers crossed, I never am. (laughs) But, like, it seems like if you have that, uh, if you've gone through something like that with someone they would probably be involved in your life forever. Or, like, you would feel an interesting bond with them, right? right? But, no, these women, like, pretty much felt forced to have to work together for this. Yeah. We're torn on... I think both of them were torn at some points as to whether or not they should support each other in this. Right. And then they do in the end. Well, and they're interesting because they obviously are two people who are both attracted to the same person. Right. And yet, I feel like their motivations were both very different. Right. And they view themselves differently, but they also have these fundamental similarities, too. Yeah. I guess I'm going back against what I said when I said that she was fundamentally different. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think she's fundamentally different as a human. Uh Uh-huh. Well, what am I trying to say? I don't know. (laughs) She is very different. Yeah. But they do have these things that tie them together. Right. The one Um, thing that, like, I would say was, like, sort of a con, like, a negative for me, and maybe this is just me as, like, maybe I'll feel differently else else times in my life, but the fact that, like, their driving sort of, like, motivations all had to do with, like, mothering 
and childbirth. Yeah. I kind of felt like that was sort of limiting for the characters. But also, like, I'm not at that point in my life, and, like, I can't necessarily personally relate at this point, and so, like, maybe I would or could feel differently. But also, I just feel like narratives in which, like, women's, like, sole motivation is motherhood kind of bums me out. (laughs) Right. I get that. I think that I've been having a lot of conversations with people recently about what, how, as a woman, sometimes you get to an age where you feel like um, it's like now or never, or mm-hmm. like I have to have this figured out, so I'm not going to have much longer to. And mm-hmm. these women are all in their like early 30s, right? Yeah. There's like a time in the beginning where Rachel says, he looks about my age, or about that redhead guy. Yeah. yeah. He's about my age. I think he's early to mid 30s. So it's like, while, yeah, I think it's problematic to have that be the driving force behind a storyline, mm-hmm. I also can get that it's something that are on is on, I would say, a large portion of people's minds who totally. are able to have children. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and I like, like, I thought that their <clears throat> relations to that idea were all very real Mm -hmm. and different yeah and maybe really what it is is like hawkins's own critical eye towards the fact that like that society wise is the narrative that women have to either fit within or establish themselves against or the fact that like we can't exist outside of that conversation like as a woman you can't exist outside of the conversation of like motherhood your relationship to it or you know within it or against it right whether we like it or not yeah totally um in Megan's part I can't remember it comes up earlier in the book too and I'm assuming it was also in Megan's part Uh uh-huh where she does the one for Sarah two for Joy three for a girl oh yeah 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 is that um, I don't know. Um, let me look. <laughs> it's it's got to be British. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know I don't get them. <laughs> One for sorrow, nursery rhyme. England, published in seventeen eighty. It's about it's magpies. It's about what? Magpies. Oh wait, wasn't that also mentioned earlier in the book? Well, that's. That's why she said the saying, because she heard the magpies, I think. Okay. According to an old superstition, the number of magpies one sees determines if one will have bad luck or not. So it's one for sorrow, two for joy, three for a girl, four for a boy, five for silver, six for gold, seven for a secret, never to be told, eight for a wish, nine for a kiss, ten for a bird you must not miss. God, nursery rhymes are, like, so eerie and creepy. Yeah. Also, so wait, where was that earlier in the book? Um, I think it was Rachel. It was the end of one of her sections. Was it Rachel? Or maybe it was Megan, you're right. It was at the end of a section, right? I think so, but I really don't remember. Oof. I don't know. I thought that I marked it, but I guess I didn't. It's hard, though, in the narrative. Like, Rachel in particular, she's just... God, she's at such a bad place. And when you get the slow reveal about, like, how her life is going and... It's rough. Yeah, totally. Sad. Totally. Made me sad. 
I can't find it. And it's like at times I just wanted to like shake her and be like, stop, you can't do it. Which at points made me feel like I was in the place of her roommate, you know? Right. Which actually, I just remember too, it's crazy how Anna started feeling like she was going so crazy from all of the calls that were coming in. Right. Putting them all on Rachel when they were also Megan. Yes. Yeah. So I feel so bad for all of these women that just felt like they were losing their minds. Right. And it's like. Because of this man. Right. He's, he's the source. He's the, he's the problem that they all share. Yeah. Ugh, I can't find it. Ugh. I took a lot of notes at the beginning and then I stopped taking notes. Like, if you look, you can see, like, halfway through. I stopped because <laughs> I was just like, oh, I just gotta read it. Nice, yeah. I bought some post its again. Mm-hmm. Did you use them? Not for this one because I couldn't <laughs> stop reading. <laughs> I was just, like, into it. Mm-hmm. No, I felt the same way. Also, I feel bad that like, I was really into it and I carried it around with me everywhere. And this is Caitlin's book. <laughs> it's like, a little bit loved. I know. I'm the bad I'm a bad person to like loan your book to because I will not keep yeah. it looking pristine because I'm reading it, you know? Right. And here I am, I'm like bending it, trying to find like the plates like in my purse. The cover's a little like I know. Oh, sorry, Caitlin. But I think a loved book is better than a pristine book. Totally agree. Huh. Can't find it, but yeah. Okay, cool. Well, one day I'll look into it and see how that connects everybody. <laughs> I just can't, like, I know that that's what Megan thought as she was in the forest. Right, as she was dying. Yeah. But who, I thought it was her that said it, but maybe you're right, maybe it was Rachel who said it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, but I think, like, Anna is the one who is the most sort of nebulous for me. Yeah. To understand as a character. All of them, though. I just, ugh. I, like, at the same time, like, that I feel horribly for each of them in their situations also. I'm like, you are still, like, causing a lot of your troubles. <laughs> totally. 100%. And the men. Just hate them all. Right? God. I mean, I guess I definitely also feel for Scott. I think it's notable that his name was Scott. You know, like, Scott Peterson? Oh, yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking, but, um... Oh, interesting. I don't think that he was innocent, but... Even though they didn't necessarily find anything on him, but... This Scott, like, I thought it was interesting because, of course, they do automatically always go to the the husband or the boyfriend or the whatever. And so, at times, I'm like, okay, so is Hawkins playing into that to say, like, no, he's not? Or is she saying, like, yes, he is? Like... Right. That was also really interesting because you obviously have preconceived notions about, I mean, how many, like, I've seen a million Dateline and, like, you know, right. 60 Minutes episodes where it's always the dude, it's always the husband. Right. Right. So that's interesting. I mean, and it's like, again, she did a good job right at the point where I'm like, oh my gosh, I only feel sorry for him. Then he goes and tries to kill Rachel. Right. He, like, holds her hostage like a fucking yeah. crazy. But at the same time, you're like, okay, would anybody be crazy in that situation? But at the right. same time, you're like, okay, like, he's still really problematic in many ways. And, like, right. it just also highlighted the fucked upness of everybody's relationships. It just right. also made me depressed. <laughs> right. Oh, totally. And, like, in my current 
a state. Yeah. I'm just like reading this like, oh my God, I don't want to do any of this ever again. No relationships. Relationships are the worst. I know. Like I am, I'm like reading this and I'm like, okay, like what are the secrets that I need to fucking find out? Right. Right. So depressing. Oh, just as I feel like I've gotten over that phase of my life where I'm like, I don't trust anybody. What? <laughs> What's shady? Bring all these books, this one, and what was that other terrible book we oh, read? Oh, God. Yes. Um, all things cease to appear. God. That one was worse. Way worse. So bad. Ugh. But, yeah. Well, would you recommend this book? Yeah, I would definitely. Yeah, same. I would say yes. Thank you, Caitlin, for telling us to read it. Yeah, very good suggestion. Thank you for our first suggestion for Drunk of the Book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Melina did suggest. Oh, right. Second recommendation. Oh, my gosh. We're getting there. Popular. But now we need suggestions from, like, not That's our purpose. close friends. Okay, <laughs> ghost listeners out there. Maybe yeah. there's one. <laughs> Please submit something. Oh, yeah. Speaking of, if you like us... Friends, family, I'm talking to you, Dad. I'm talking to you, Aubrey and Mello. <laughs> Olivia's mother. <laughs> I'm talking to you, Olivia's mom. Please leave us iTunes reviews because yes. we're not really, like, if you search up book club or, like, drunk club or any combination that is not our exact name, we don't come up in searches right now. <laughs> so we need your help. Yes. Leave a review, please. Please review. If you leave us a review, we'll love you forever. Forever. We'll give you a shout-out on our Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) Also, we're on Stitcher now. Yes. Yay. Do you know anybody who's actually listening on Stitcher? Like, do you know anybody who uses Stitcher? I don't. I don't either. (laughs) But if somebody wanted to, they could. They could. Now they can. (laughs) That's all that matters. Um, So, yeah. You can find us on Stitcher. Yes. Find us on Insta- Instagram at Drunk of the Book. Facebook? No, not Facebook. Never mind. Nope. Confused. <laughs> not so. What? Twitter? Twitter. Yeah, Twitter at Drunk of the Book. We're on drunkofthebook.com. Yep. You can send us an email at drunkofthebook at gmail.com. Gmail.com. Yep. Tweet us your suggestions of books. Instagram us your suggestions of books. Email us your suggestions of books. Yep. Comment your suggestions of books. Tag us in book ideas. True. Whatever. We'll Please. take it all. We want to read. We're like total nerds. We love reading. The nerdy. Also, I feel like everyone should join in on this Harry Potter chapter by chapter. Oh, yeah. Read along. Oh, yeah. Sacred texts. We're going to become best friends with these guys. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen. I don't know. If it's it's a dude and a guy, I guess. Or a dude and a girl. (laughs) Woo! Drinking (laughs) them GNTs. Love it. Now we just need it in a can. Ugh, yes. All right. So, the next (laughs) book we're reading is Threadbare. All right. Clothes, Sex, and Trafficking by Elizabeth Ann Moore and the Lady Drawers. Or Lady Drawers? Lady Drawers, probably. (laughs) Drawers? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes more sense than drawers. <laughs> I like lady drawers, though. <laughs> I'm going to put on my lady drawers. <laughs> oh, God. Yep. Excited for that. <laughs> Let's, Let's get, get reading. reading. <laughs> <laughs> well done, team. All right. I'm going to stop this